fantastic. Starting a brand new series this morning, and I'm going to start off by saying this. I used to have a children's Bible, and in that Bible was a picture that just completely freaked me out. It was a picture of Moses, and Moses looked angry. I mean, he looked ticked. He was standing on the side of a mountain. His eyes were like bugging out of his head. His teeth were clenched, and he had these two stone tablets up over top of his head. Like he was just going to smash them into a thousand pieces. The look on his face just freaked me out. And then off in the distance, you could see the top of a mountain with this huge cloud on the top of it. And there was thunder and lightning coming out of it. And because I knew the story, I knew God was actually supposed to be in the cloud. And so that kind of freaked me out too, because God seemed really angry that day. And then way down in the distance, you could see way down in a valley, there was a little tiny picture and you could just make it out. And it looked like people having a party, but right in the center of it was this golden cow. And that freaked me out too, because anything to do with dancing and cows in the same sentence, that's just wrong, right? It's just completely wrong. That picture was my introduction to the Ten Commandments. And so for years, I've always kind of had this picture that the Ten Commandments were these, these punitive, big, thou shalt nots. And if you do, God's going to squish you like a bug kind of a thing, Right? Well, we're going to do a series on the Ten Commandments for the next 10 weeks. The series is called Set in Stone. What do we do with the Ten Commandments? We believe that when Jesus came, he fully fulfilled the law. Everything that the law required was fulfilled in Jesus. But that doesn't mean that the Ten Commandments are invalid, that they don't count anymore. In fact, I believe that the Ten Commandments are more relevant today than they've ever been before. Some people are wondering, why in the world are we doing something so remedial? Like, are you serious? Like the Ten Commandments, that's kind of like lightweight. Really? Here's a statistic that may surprise you. Less than one-tenth, sorry, less than one-half of one percent of Christians can actually say the Ten Commandments and get them order with the right wording. Let's try it. Go for it. Just start in your brain. Start at number one. Do you know the first one? Number two? Number three? How about number seven? Anybody got that one? That's the adultery one. You got that? I rest my case. All right. This is why we're putting emphasis on this because it is so unbelievably foundational to our belief as Christians. There's one foundational truth that we've got to know as we get started. I kind of call it the bottom line of the 10 commandments. And the bottom line of the 10 commandments is this. God has a problem with takers. All right. Just think about it. When you steal something, even though the Bible says that says shalt not steal, you're taking something that doesn't belong to you. When you have an idol in your life, you're taking attention that should only go to God and God's glory and you're putting it somewhere else. When you commit adultery, you're taking another person's spouse and committing a sin with them. When you take God's name in vain, you take honor away from the name of Jesus and you place it somewhere else. And in doing that, you demean the name of God. When you murder, you're taking another life. When you give false testimony, you're taking out the truth and substituting in a lie. I believe because it's taught all the way through the Ten Commandments that God's got a problem with takers. So our goal for this series is simple. We're not going to be takers. We're going to give God honor and glory and obedience And out of that is going to come incredible blessing in our lives. So let's start with the first one. The Bible says, and and God spoke all of these words. I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Every week we're going to flip one of our panels. We're going to take a look at one of the commandments. And by the time we're done, the whole set is going to get turned around. But let's start with the first one this week. 
In fact, I think it's so important that we better read it together. So out loud, everybody together, the first commandment is, you shall have no other gods before me. But let's be honest. Even though we say it, there's a whole bunch of little G gods that love to run around and compete for God's attention, do they not? I'd love to just share with you what I think is some of the identity of some of the modern gods. And believe me, when I say the word gods, I'm using a little G because they're not a big G God. There's only one God, the God of the Bible. But there's some competition out there. The enemy tries to distract us. Let's look at the identity of some modern gods. The first one's the God of money. I mean, let's face it. Last year in this country, the God of money got knocked on his backside. I mean, people just freaked out. And the reason they were freaking out is because all of a sudden, this God that they had pursued all of their life, the God that was going to give them security in their retirement, the God that was going to sustain them with their 401k that was now a 2.681 okay, not okay, right? The God that was going to give them all kinds of, all kinds of happiness that could take care of anything. The God that seemed to, to grow a hunger inside of them to just want more and more and more. All of a sudden, that God quivered and cracked and fell apart around our ears. I hope as the people of God, we learn some important lessons there about not storing up treasures that moth and rust can destroy, but instead storing up for ourselves treasures in heaven because where our treasure is, there our hearts are going to be also. The God of money. Secondly, how about the God of comfort? Boy, do we love comfort in this country or not? I mean, how do I know that? I know that because of the lengths that we go to to avoid discomfort. I mean, when was the last time you truly meant it? We said, Jesus, I just want to suffer for you. It's whatever it takes. I mean, we spend all of our time avoiding discomfort. I mean, let's just face it. We're addicted to life on easy street. I mean, seriously, if you buy something today and it doesn't come with a remote, it's seen as a hardship. I mean, this may be news to those of you that are under 21. There was actually a time in history when we did not have remote controls. In order to change the channel on a television, we actually had to leave our chair... I know it completely freaks me out too. We had to leave our chair, walk across the room, put our finger on a channel knob and turn it in order to change channels. I know. It's amazing, isn't it? It's like, are you serious? How many calories does that take, right? So... <laughs> and then there was a new thing. Then we had remotes with cables attached. Do you remember those? used to hook them around your kids' necks as they were running through the room. Yeah. I mean, we're addicted to comfort. We want it easy. We want it good. If it smacks of discomfort, we're going to avoid it with everything that we have. And it's become a little G God. How about this next one? The God of excess. I mean, just count the number of times you hear the word more on television. If you just have more money, then you're going to be happy. If you buy a a power juicer deluxe three from Jack LaLanne, You're going to have more health because you finally got in step with the way you're supposed to do health stuff. When the answer to every problem and the way to to always becoming happy is simply to get more, then you know that, that we've bowed our knee to the God of excess. How about the next one, the God of compromise? I see this one all the time when people come face to face with the truth in God's word that they don't agree with. So they try to find a way around it. They try to find an exception. They try to attach themselves to a different ideology. They try to to figure out some way that they can still be comfortable, even though God's word at times can be very truthful, very blunt, and even offensive to a certain degree. My friends, I hope we understand something 
whenever we try to find our way around God's word, what we're actually saying is we think we're smarter than God. And when we think we're smarter than God and we exalt our own human nature, we think that somehow just God got that one wrong, that somehow God is mistaken. When we grab a hold of that truth, what we're really doing, well, actually there's a word for it in scripture. It's called compromise. And anytime you see the word compromise in scripture, it's sin. Straight up. Here's the next one. How about the God of me? Oh, I don't like this one. I mean, just listen to yourself sometime in a day. My time, my stuff, my convenience, my life, my kids, my house, my car, my ministry. I mean, we do really good at Frank Sinatra's theology, don't we? I did it my way, right? I mean, we just, we, we, we think that's just it. I don't know about your struggles, but one of my struggles is that little God of me loves to get back on the throne of my life. He loves to order God around, turn him into a cosmic bellboy. As long as you take care of my needs, God, you and I are okay. I just want you to know something. If you don't get anything else this morning, please take with you. God doesn't share a throne with anybody. He doesn't share a throne with anybody. I mean, and it, it's amazing to me because every time I say the word mine, I'm lying. I mean, think about it for a second. It's not my car. That car belongs to Jesus. It's not my family. My family belongs to Jesus. It's not my money. It belongs to God. He just gave it to me and I'm supposed to steward it for a little while. I mean, the only person in this universe that can actually say the word mine without lying is the God who owns all of the stuff. Man, the God of me has got to go. God takes a bold stand when it comes to the way we're supposed to handle these little competitors. Let me share with you the ultimatum of the one true God. He says in Exodus 34, verse 14, some stunning blunt words. This is what he says. He says, do not worship any other God for the Lord whose name is jealous is a jealous God. Now, when God uses the word jealous here, he's not talking about a freaker, freakish, you know, stalker kind of jealousy. He's talking about a beautiful jealousy that actually happens between a husband and a wife in a committed marriage relationship. I mean, I, I'd like to think I don't stalk my wife, but the truth is this. I don't like sharing her very much. I like having a conversation with her. I like spending time with her. I like holding hands with her. And anybody else wants to try and infringe on that territory, it's just like, whoa, 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 back off, little man. I'll go Canadian hockey on your backside. You come too close to my wife. <laughs> Seriously, right? I mean, it's an incredible, incredible thing. God's a jealous God. He wants your full attention. And this morning, I can most assuredly tell you, you have his full attention today. He desperately wants to be in that kind of a relationship with you. With every commandment comes a choice. It's the next little blank in your outline. The choice of the first commandment comes from Deuteronomy 11. The Bible says this, God talking. He says, see, I'm setting before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing, if you obey the commands of the Lord your God, I'm giving you today. The curse, if you disobey the commands of the Lord your God and turn from the way that I command you today by following other gods which you have not known. God gives you a choice, a blessing for obedience or a curse for disobedience. Now, some of you go, wow, that's a strong word. What do you mean talking about God cursing people? I looked it up in the Hebrew text. The word curse means curse. That's what it means. It's a strong word. And some of you go, wow, it's a little harsh. I mean, what's the deal? 
It's supposed to be harsh. This is a big deal. God wrote out a top 10 when it comes to obedience. And this is number one. God doesn't do things through, through, through circumstance or chance. He was being strategic here. This is a very big deal. And if you decide today to obey the first commandment, there's a blessing. But if you don't, there's a curse that comes along with it. Here's the curse of disobeying the first commandment. It's this. It's that God will not bless my purpose, priorities, or plans. When I worship the God of me, the God of comfort, or the God of money, I am not walking in step with God's priorities. There's no blessing there. When I'm seeking something other than big G God of the Bible, God's not going to bless that because inevitably that plan's going to lead me away from him, not towards him. I mean, let's not mistake this. There are consequences for disobedience. Does God forgive? Yes. But are there scars left behind when we just do the opposite of what God told us to do? Yes, there are. That's the curse. So let's flip the coin over. For years, I grew, I mean, I grew up in a Baptist church and they always seemed to, they always seemed to preach the Ten Commandments on Sunday nights when it was 95 degrees and 100% humidity in Manitoba. And the pastor would sweat like crazy, it would drip off the end of his nose. And you'd hear the words, you know, thou shalt not. And off it'd go. I believe the thou shalt nots are there for a purpose. But when you flip them over, I believe there are incredible blessings and benefits. From instead of the thou shalt not, it's like, I shall. I shall be involved in what God is doing. I shall be obedient. Let's look at some of the blessings. Here's the first blessing. I just listed four of them. I could have listed 400. But here's the first one. There's no divided loyalties or competing voices when you have no other gods. When you serve the true God of the Bible, you don't need to wonder about what the will of God is for your life or what direction your heart's supposed to be going because God already told you in the Bible. People go, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. Really, Micah 6, 8. He has told you, oh man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you, but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. When you don't know what to do, do that. You'll be walking in step with the first commandment. No divided loyalties, no competing voices. Second blessing is that you get to serve the only God who actually holds the blessings. The God of the Bible has blessings for his children. He wants to be able to bless you. My question to you is, are you living a life that's blessable or not? Or do you get stuck somewhere in comfort? Are you pursuing excess and you don't have any more room for Jesus when you're done at the end of your day? When God is in his rightful place, you can know with a knowing that he desperately wants to bless you. When you live a life of obedience. The third blessing is you get to fulfill the roles that God has called you to by default. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've found when I have no other gods before the one true God, I get to be a fairly good husband, a pretty good dad, a not bad coworker, and a pretty good friend by default. When God's not in the right place, that other stuff, it doesn't go so good. So what a blessing to be able to have God is the first, the one, and the only. And here's number four. Here's a blessing that we're open to receiving instruction that God actually gave for my good. Deuteronomy chapter 10 is gonna be kind of an anchor text for us all the way through this, this series. It says this. What does the Lord your God ask of you? But to fear the Lord your God 
to walk in his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and to observe the Lord's commands and decrees that I'm giving you today. You notice the next couple of words there? For your own good. That commandment is not to handcuff you, it's to set you free. That commandment is not to restrict you, it's to keep you on a path of freedom and love and joy for the rest of your life. So what does it really mean to have no other gods before the one true God? Well, I put it in your outline as under the banner of my decision because my prayer is that you'll have made this decision. It's this, I've given God first place in my life. Every part of my life has been surrendered to God. My time, my priorities, my values, my material possessions and my lifestyle. All of it is under the authority of the one true God. And because of those decisions, I'm in a place where God can bless me because I'm living a life that's blessable. Well, I'm going to set a group of people free to get organized in the back. So if you're getting baptized today, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. Would you follow Denny and Braden and that whole crew? You're going to go up that deal. There's a whole pack of folks heading towards the back. And I'm going to keep talking to you because they've made the decision to live out that first commandment in front of you this morning. All right. So while they're going, I know they're beautiful, but right back here, just for a second, okay? Eyes on the preacher. Okay, just for a minute, all right? Just, just for a second, okay? Just like in the Joshua series, we came up with a challenge for this summer. Let me list for you what the Big Ten challenge is. The Big Ten challenge, which comes from the Ten Commandments, is this, that I will commit to convening my most important small group once a week to discuss this week's commandment. We'll discuss the commandment questions with honesty and truthfulness and close our time by praying for each other. My friends, your most important small group is your family. It's the most important small group. If I walk through the gates of heaven and Laurel, Braden, and McKenna are right behind me, I'll have been a failure. That's my most important small group. We're encouraging the families of Christ the King to gather for 30 to 45 minutes during the week, maybe after a meal at some point, to sit down with the commandment questions for the week and have a real honest talk about whether or not there really are any other gods in your family or not. If you're a single person, you're going to go, oh, that's kind of offensive because I'm not in a part of a family. Christ the King families, I'm putting the onus on you. If you know someone in this church family who's single, I want you to invite them to be a part of your family for 10 weeks this summer. We say we're a family, let's be a family. If a group of singles want to get together, two or three, Awesome. Make yourself a family for one night a week and answer the stuff and work through it together. If you're already in a small group and you want to use these as part of your regular small group discussion, awesome. That's fantastic. If you're a husband and a wife and that's it for your family, never underestimate the power of a small group of two. God put that small group together, okay? So however you want to organize it, however you want to put it together, my prayer is that you'll just have a moment during your week when you come back. We put some suggestions for, for, for families with young children, families with older children, husbands and wives. We put some suggestions in there so that you can do this more than just in the 27 minutes that we have on a Sunday morning. I mean, that just, when I hear people say that, well, I got my church on the weekend. I mean, think about the logic of this. If I came to you and said, okay, here's the deal. All of your nutrition for one week has to be consumed in 27 minutes on a Sunday morning. So I'm going to put you in front of the biggest buffet you can. You got 27 minutes, but that's all you get to eat until the next Sunday. You'd look at me and go, that's crazy. I'm going to be starving by Tuesday morning. 
Why do we do the same thing spiritually? I got my church fix. I don't need any more spiritual input during the week. See, I've got this abiding conviction. I think you can learn a whole lot more in a circle than you can in a row. I believe that to be true. So we want to, well, I just challenge you to find a circle to talk about the commandments during the summer. Now, I want to be careful. If two or three singles decide to actually become a family, um, you need to be a little careful with that one because in the biblical sense, you're actually not allowed to do that. And we'll cover that in commandment number seven. So just keep it cool. Okay, just check. Some of you are going, why in the world would I want to do that? And my belt, life is busy enough. I don't have any time for this. Let's try Deuteronomy chapter 11 on for size. God says, fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates so that your days and the days of your children may be many in the land that the Lord swore to give your forefathers as many as the days that the heavens are above the earth. Every challenge that I've ever taken had to make a decision and they weren't always easy. I got a buddy of mine. He doesn't go to this church, but I told him what we were going to challenge our church with this week. He said, I'd never be able to do that, man. I play softball five nights a week and the other two nights I'm just exhausted. Thanks, you just told me what your God was. Nothing against softball. But I'm like, you just told me what your little G God was because you go and worship at the altar of a baseball diamond five, to- five nights a week and you haven't got time to teach that to your kids? Dude, man up and lead your family. I don't think I was really popular by the time we were done that conversation. But the truth is the truth, is it not? So families, just leaving it with you. However you want to put yourself, self-organize. There you go. I gave you a topic Discuss amongst yourselves, all right? And every week, we're going to add another commandment as we walk through this journey together. The first commandment says, you shall have no other gods before me. And in a few moments, I'm going to invite a group of people out here who are going to say publicly to you that that is exactly what they've decided to do. We've been baptizing all week. Last night, we baptized a guy who flew all the way from New Jersey to get baptized. This is his church. He worships here on the internet and sermon CDs, and he wanted to come and be baptized in his church. So he flew across the country. Last night, we saw entire families, dads who've just recently come to Jesus, then baptizing their wives and their children. Awesome. Pastor Sean baptized his two little girls last night. Beautiful thing to watch. And you're going to see all kinds of people rotating through the tank. I'll tell you who they are. They're either people who have been unbelievably influential in the life of the person that's being baptized, or they're probably a dad who's baptizing their kids because we're all about family at Christ the King. And you're going to get a front row seat. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come and join me. And they're going to get ready. These people are not getting in the tank because they carry electrical instruments and that would not be fun. Okay, so. But Nate and his team are going to lead us in worship as we get ready to baptize. And uh, I'm hoping that they're ready backstage last service. I caught them off guard. Are they ready? They were praying in the back. We didn't want to interrupt them. So we just sat out here with an uncomfortable silence and it was kind of weird. But anyway, hey, Brayden, are they ready? Awesome. So we're going to bring out all the folks who are going to be baptized. They're going to come stand across the front and we need to encourage them because this is a big, humongous step for them this morning. Awesome. All the way across the front there, bud. 
But come on now, they're not done yet. No, we're not done yet. Keep them coming, keep them coming. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> Who says you can't have church on a long weekend on the 4th of July? Seriously. This is what it's all about. If you're a dad and you're going to baptize your children this morning, can you stick your hand up in the air? That's awesome. That's <laughs> awesome. Cool. In a few moments, we're going to baptize these people. But before we baptize them, I've got a few questions. If you have received the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, if you are willing to live out the first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me today by going public with your decision to follow Jesus and only Jesus. Would you respond with the words, I have? A little more gusto this time. <laughs> Would you please respond with the words, I have. I have. There we go. That's what I'm talking about right there. All right? Christ the King, it's time for you to be involved. Would you stand with me? Because we're going to pray and bless these people. And if you feel comfortable, if you would like to stretch a hand of blessing towards them, let's pray over them right now. Jesus, we thank you for these brothers and sisters who are standing in front of us. Would you seal this moment in their heart and mind for the rest of their life? God, in this moment, as they identify fully with the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, Lord, may they know in their hearts that you wrote this moment before they even began their life. Lord, I pray that there would be a covering today of protection over each one of them. Lord, we bind the accusations of the enemy that would say, you don't deserve this. The truth is you don't, but God's grace is for you. So Jesus, we ask that you would come into the water with them, that they might know that the decision they're making today to declare that there are no other gods other than Jesus in their life Lord, may know that they, that that is true and that that decision will sustain them through a lifetime of grace and faith. So we bless them today in this moment. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.